what I'm talking about. So I don't know what I, I, I'm fully explaining here, but here's how my mind works. When I'm driving through America and I look out and I see all these fields, I'm like, man, that, that, that's their entire industry, their entire livelihood. And as much as I don't know, I do know this. There is an organization. There is a systematic effort to get as much as they possibly can out of every square inch of those acres. I, I was in a doctor's office one time, and I see this magazine on agriculture, and I'm like, what is that doing here? I'm in Seattle. What in the world is that doing here? So I open the magazine. I'm just fascinated by it. And they said that there is this machine you could buy, and a quarter-million-dollar machine, and plop it under the underside of your tractor. And as you're driving, it will literally analyze the soil. And as it's analyzing the soil, it will figure out the pH, the ideal depth, the ideal moisture, and it will put a different amount of seed into the field. They said that you can expect if you pay for the upgrade, you will get a sevenfold yield out of the same amount of ground because it knows how to put more seed into the field. Hey, I want to tell you what is the way to make a church a growing church. More seed into the field. If you want to double, do double the work. If you want to grow by sevenfold, do sevenfold the seed. Plant, 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 and then plant again. Plant again, plant again. Why? The more that we plant, the more we yield. Man, it's so horribly simple. But I'm telling you it works. Everyone will tell me a story why they think it won't. This is like my job now. So this is my daily conversations. Some pastor will call and say, man, I love what you're doing. Man, we'd love to have you here. But just so you know, before you get here, it's not going to work here like it did on that other place you were. Tell me the story. Why won't it work? Man, well, we, 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 uh. I'll just say what they say. This, I'm not saying this is my opinion. I'll just say what they say. Well, man, you don't know. Like, we a blue state. Like, we so blue, we're like some sort of dark, 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 scary blue. And I'll say, hey, you know I'm from Seattle, right? You know that we've been in Portland and Los Angeles, and we've been up through the north. Hey, I'll tell you what. There is no place so blue that God doesn't have somebody he wants to reach. There's no place so red that God doesn't have somebody he wants to reach. And then they'll tell me this. They'll say, well, man, no, it doesn't work here because everybody's an atheist. Nobody wants any to hear about anything about Jesus. Nobody goes to church. That's not our culture. You know, it's weird, though. Then you drive south, and they tell you the same story, but backwards. They say, man, nobody will come. They all go to church. They all believe in Jesus. They all say, hey, God, God would have you to look out and to view this field as white and ready for harvest. Nowhere in Scripture does God let us excuse ourselves from planting and harvesting. He doesn't care if they're an atheist or a Buddhist or a Muslim. He doesn't care if they're a Baptist. Come on. He just wants us to win the world. The only reason that I think we got out of the habit of it is we fell in one of four categories. One, some of us told ourselves a story we're too unqualified. 
you say that, unqualified. Too unqualified to invite somebody else to church. Man, have you ever walked by the mirror at a really unideal time and thought, oh, oh. You know what happens to me is I turn my phone on and I had like earlier took a selfie with my kids and I didn't know the camera was still on. It was on selfie mode and you accidentally turn it on and you've got eight chins and you just look so unappealing from that angle. You're like, oh, oh, Lord, get it away. You know, you, you walk by the camera and you, or the mirror or whatever, you see yourself like, ah. You know, some of us eye ourselves up spiritually in the mirror and we say, I am not good enough. I still have got issues in my life. I still haven't read the Bible cover to cover. I still, I'm not a pastor's kid. I haven't been to Bible school. Friend, God did not say that you had to be perfect to make progress. He did not say that you needed to be a Bible school graduate, that you needed to be a pastor kid. He just said, go preach the gospel. If you know one, hold your ones up, everybody. If you know one verse, you know enough to tell somebody one verse. You don't need no more degrees. You don't need no more education. You don't need to be articulate. You don't need to be perfect. Hey, you'll have things you can't answer, but go and tell somebody what you know. I know that if you repent and you get baptized and God fills you with the Holy Ghost, it'll change your life. That's where you can start. Tell somebody. You're not too unqualified. And, and you know what? The reason I know you're not too unqualified is if anyone had ever been too unqualified, it was me. It was me. Man, when I came to church, I lost everything. No degrees, no pastor's kid. There's still nobody in the whole directory that has the spelling of my last name that I do. I'm telling you, there, I had no experience. I was green. I hadn't read the Bible, but it didn't change that I knew God changed my life, and I wanted him to change other people's life. And if this little unqualified nobody from nowhere that had no job and no place to stay could go tell people, you can tell people. Now, the next story we'll tell ourselves, if we're not telling ourselves we're too unqualified, we'll tell ourselves we're too Ooh, now this is for the super spiritual ones amongst us. So I'm coming for you too, but here's what y'all tell me. Amen. You'll say this, well, I'm on the praise team, so I already do something for Jesus. Man, I'm a preacher, not a Bible study teacher, not a door knocker, not a... Oh, man, I, I wish it worked like that. But, hey, you know, my greatest fear, my greatest fear is coming up here and preaching about the Holy Ghost and not having someone in the building that needs the Holy Ghost. What a waste of time. But, friend, when you go out and you plant and you fill the house with people that need Jesus, that's what preaching's for. I will present to you the way out of sin, the way out of addiction, the way out of pain, and it is in him. Oh, let us be given to planting. The third excuse, and this one I've been the most guilty. I've been guilty of all these at one point. But the third I've been the most guilty of over the course of my Christian life is we'll tell ourselves we're too busy. We're too busy. Man, I bet if I was to do a survey around this room, y'all are busy. You got a job or you don't eat. 
you got kids in school, and they, man, they got soccer practice and swimming and whatever else you got to drag them off to. And then whenever you try and even make it to church, that's when all of a sudden all of them simultaneously need to go to the bathroom, and then you get them back in the car, and then they throw up on their food, and then you're driving down the road a little bit more, and they pour the whole Coke down their shirt. I know how it goes, and it's busy, and it's hard. Just hold the pieces together. You got your 9 to 5, your grinds. You get home. You're tired. You want to go to bed. You got to eat. You got to cook. You got to do dishes. You got to do laundry. You got to vacuum the cat. I understand all of that, but have you ever marched that out down the road? If all you do is keep up with work and keep up with the dishes and keep up with the laundry, at the end of the day, you had a very clean house, but God had an empty one. I tell you what, I know we have to go to work, but I don't live to work. I work to live. When I go to work, I may do my nine to five, but somewhere in the middle of the nine to five, I've got to talk to somebody about Jesus. Why? Because I can't take my house to heaven. I can't take my car. I can't take my paycheck, but I can take a soul. Don't get too busy for this. The last is if we're not too unqualified, we're not too qualified, we're not too busy, we're just too lazy. Now, nobody ever says it that way. That would be super cool if they did. I always say that would be the highlight of my ministry when somebody just full transparency, they're like, oh, bro, like I could go. I just don't want to go, man. I'm lazy. You know how they'll fancy it up? That's not my personality. As though reaching the world is only for the hyperactive, extroverted Christians like a very small minority, the ones that used to be in car sales before they came in, we're going to delegate the entire 330 million Americans to be reached by the redeemed car salesmen in the church. Friend, I'm going to tell you right now, the math on that does not add up. But if we had even 20 in this room who'd say my personality is subject to change, I might not like this, but Jesus did. And if Jesus did, I'm going to become more like him. If he could stop for the woman at the well, I could stop for the woman at the gas station. If he could talk to the one caught in adultery, I can talk to the one with a cigarette hanging out of their mouth. Friend, you've got to plant. So many stories I could tell you. So many stories. Uh, I'll just tell you it works. I'll just tell you it works. If I told, I'll tell you one. I got like eight right there that I'll sometimes I'll mention one of them or something, but I'll tell you one because this one always make people laugh at me. But, man, we, we had a youth group with us one day. We hop into the church van, and, uh, man, these kids, they drive me crazy But because uh, they're our youth group at our church. We got them in, in the van, and um, I'm going to just give my description so that you can understand what I'm dealing with. They are a bunch of just straight-laced little white kids, okay? And just I just want you to understand, they, they really haven't done much of anything, no world exposure, they, none of them got jobs, just a bunch of apostolic freeloaders, you know? <laughs> so I'm going to take them out on outreach. We go, and we go to where I, I pastor knows what's up with the fishing thing. So I, I, this is how I say it. I was taking them to where the fishing's good, and they bite. So it's a little different neighborhood than they're used to. 
Um, and so, yeah, we go out to this pond where, man, I'm telling you, every time we're there, something happens. And we hop out of the park. And when we get out of the park, I see there's like a playground over there and a field over there. And there's a picnic table over there. And, man, at that picnic table, there's like a straight-up gang. And I'm not trying to be judgmental, but when you have that many face tattoos, you're just probably in a gang. That, and that's just not... That's just how I see it, man. You don't get handguns tattooed on your forehead if, if you're a banker. It just doesn't happen very much. Amen. And if you, if you are considering a tattoo, which I really, I, I'm not a fan of tattoos, but certainly a handgun to the face is just a bad idea. I would really try and talk you out of that one. But um, anyways, I see this from afar, and I think to myself, well, because I've got this um, car full of Cracker Barrel, I probably should drop them off at the playground, and then I'll walk over there and talk to those guys by myself. But, man, when we hop out of the van, I'm telling you, that youth group, man, almost in unison, those little kids looked over at the picnic bench, and they held their noses up in the air like they're better than what's happening over at that picnic table. And I tell you what, there is nothing that will change my attitude faster than when you think you're better than somebody else because you know about Jesus and they don't. You have no idea what might be sitting over there. There could be a pastor sitting at a picnic bench. There could be a worship leader sitting at that picnic bench. There could be a soul winner sitting at that picnic bench. Could be one of these little guys. So I said, I changed the plan. I saw that I got so angry. I changed the plan. I said, nope, we're going over there now. And, and then this was the only time that I almost believed in evolution because they all immediately, instinctively did what the Canadian geese do and they go and do a V so that the guy up front takes all the heat. They did it all right behind me and flocked in a line. I'm like, what in the world is this? And I, sure, I guess I'm the one going to do the talking. We walk towards the picnic bench and as we get up there, everybody, Everybody at the picnic bench looks at one guy. And I figure, oh, well, he's the one that gets to decide if I live or die today. So I'll just talk to him. Uh, and so I said, hey, man, how's it going? And, and I say, we're from the church. I give him a flyer. And I am still so fumingly mad at this group that I just was bold as could be. And I say, we're from the church. We'd love to have you come out, but I got a question for you. The Bible says you need to repent and be baptized and let God fill you with the Holy Ghost to go to heaven. What would stop you from doing that right now. And he looks at me and he says, man, I just got out of prison. This is not a good time to hear that sentence. He says, I just got out of prison. And I told God when I was in there, I will do whatever it takes to get my life right. I'm all somebody. He looks at the rest of his group sitting at the picnic benches and he says, guys, go get in the van. We are all going to go and get baptized. So we got them all in the van. One little white kid, one gangster. One little white kid, one gangster. And we baptize all of them in Jesus' name. If you want to harvest, you plant. You plant. You plant. If they don't look like you, who cares? They don't talk like you, who cares? plant amen you may be seated so I'll just I'll say I, oh man I wish I could do this in its entirety 
But, uh, man, it would be so illogical if I was going to start. Again, I know nothing about this. Forgive me if you do. But I'm going to go start the greatest soybean field that this state's ever seen. I don't even know if it would be sustainable out here. Man, I get the sweetest website you've ever seen for soy. Man, soy.com. I own it all. And I got business cards. And, man, I got those million-dollar combines ready to go, too. I don't even know what they do. I don't know how to run them. I bought four of them. And, and man, I got all that. And my barns, man, my barns look so much better than your barns, my competitors. Man, mine are made of copper from the floor to the ceiling. And they're, they're eight stories high inside. I don't even know if you put soy in a, in a barn, but I've got barns. And, I, and then I poach all your employees. I go by your field when you're not there. And, man, I offer the guy managing your field 50% more than you're paying him. I take all your employees too. Man, I'm about to start the best business there's ever been in soy. But then I get all my employees together and I say, meet me in the barn. And we go in the barn and we sing about soy. And I preach about soy. And we even pray about soy. But we never go in the field and ever plant soy. It wouldn't matter how nice the barn. It wouldn't matter how nice the combine. It wouldn't matter how nice the cars. I'm telling you, in this church, if we're going to the next level, it's not going to be because of the building. It's not going to be because of the land. It's going to be because we go out and plant. At some point, we don't sing about it. We do it. We don't preach about it. We do it. There's a million different ways it can be done. And I love them all. Man, we got to do a tent revival. That is super weird, super crazy, but it's another tool in the toolbox. Let's do it. Man, if we could do a block party, let's do it. If you could start a knitting club, let's do it. If you could start a bowling night outreach, let's do it. I don't care what you do, but if you plant, you can have harvest. Some of it is so small. It is so small. I tell people sometimes, actually, we just checked out, so I don't have them, but I normally have that. That card with the, the door key from the hotel, right? The little sleeve, the thing. You know what I'm talking about, right? The only couple of you nodding. I know you've been in hotels. They give you the, the thing. When I check in, it's different than when you check in. When I check in, they program it, and then they instantly deprogram it and then hand it to me because they like me to never be able to make it into the room on the first try. But what I'll do is when I come to churches on a Wednesday night and I teach about evangelism, I will steal from their lobby a few of their business cards, and I'll stick them in that sleeve with my hotel card because everywhere I go, the hotel card's going with me. And so during the week, when I go to make a really good, nutritious choice like McDonald's, I will pull out my card to pay, and I'll pull out my hotel sleeve, and I'll grab a card and hand it to the lady at McDonald's. It added no time to my day at all. I was already at McDonald's. Why not invite the lady? I'm telling you, look at how many are in this room. If we would just steal two of the church's cards a week and get them out before next Sunday and then steal two more, do you have any idea how many people would be invited by the end of the year? You don't have to pull a tent up every time you want to reach somebody. Just invite one or two or three. Somebody will say, man, and they'll tell me sometimes on the phone, they'll say, and I've actually had people tell me no. I've said, man, I'm coming to church to 
you, you invited me to come out to, to preach. Is, would it be okay if we got a group together, go out on Saturday and do some outreach together as a team? It'd be fun. And I've had some people tell me, no. They'll say, well, we don't really do that anymore or since COVID or people don't like it. I said, man, I don't care. If a hundred doors we get to get slammed in my face, I will find you at least one that's ready for the gospel. They'll be born again. Man, there's something like outreach. You know, we, we do so much outreach. I was telling Pastor, I'm not being boastful. This is just what we get to do. So that's the best job I've ever had. But in, in this year, we're going to personally oversee the distribution of over a quarter million flyers. We've got to see thousands baptized and receive the Holy Ghost this year alone. Why? Not because I'm anything special. When we gave the invitation, my name wasn't on it. My face wasn't on it. I didn't even have to be there. They just responded. Because planting works. I'll joke with people. I'll be like, man, if I was Joel Osteen, you put my face on it, that'll bring some people out. But if you put this little guy on there, they have no clue who he is. I say, man, just tell them they need to be at church. It's going to be this Sunday. It's a special service. And watch. If we go do 5,000 flyers in a day, you're going to have some guests in the building. And then God is going to do what God does. Even if there's not preaching, one will get baptized. Another get the Holy Ghost. Another get healed. Then another gets baptized. We've got a plan. All right, ah, man, we got we to gotta shut this down. Okay, so I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. After we plant, we water. Again, he's using a very simple analogy we all can understand. Plant water. I, don't, I again, don't know much about water, but when I'm flying, man, I see these big apparatuses. Some of those fields that are circular, they're like attached in the middle. I imagine that's some sort of big, crazy circular sprinkler thing. Why would they go through the trouble of all that deal? Because if they don't water what they plant, they don't get to keep what starts growing. It'll die. Let me tell you where we mess up as churches often is when someone God does give us somebody. And if we start planting, you watch. God's going to start giving us more than we've ever had in here before. But when I come in, the only handshake I get better not just be the greeter, but y'all need to be friendly. And if I can make some friends in the church, I'll be back next week. But if this church isn't as friendly as the one I tried last week, why would I come back here when I can go back there? Um, so, man, let me borrow you. Come on, stand on up. Thank you, man. High five. What's your name, bro? Mike. All right, so Mike came to church for the very first time. I'm glad you're here, Mike. Let me have you stand up, man. Come on over to this side. Put his hand up, Mike. All right, hold on to his shoulder back here. Man, this is Mike's best friend. What's your name? Lincoln. Man, Lincoln hates church. <laughs> so, man, Mike goes back to school, and he's like, you did what on Sunday? Oh, bro, they, no, man, we don't do, that. that's church stuff. We don't do that. Man, the, 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 the girls are too fine at this age and, and, and prime. We don't be messing with that church stuff, man. So he tell him not to come back. This is his best friend. They've been best friends six years. He's only been here one service on Sunday. And then, man, come on, stand on up. This is his crazy tall brother. Come stand on this side. And go grab on that arm somewhere, too. Can you make it in there? Grab on that arm. Yeah, anywhere you want. I don't know. Just grab on a mic. On this side, though. On this side. On this side, yeah. Man, grab his coat. Grab his glasses. Grab something. Just grab something on mic. Man, you know what his brother says? He says, why are you wasting your time with that, bro? We were, we were raised Baptist. If you can go anywhere, go to a Baptist church. Oh, come on up, man. 
So check this out. Mike is obsessed with this guy. Deep down, he's always wanted to be like him when he grows up. Come on over, man. And this guy just openly declared on his Facebook, man, he's an atheist and he loves it. Grab on a mic. Okay, so here's the picture I want you to get with watering, okay? Even if he came to a service and God did something great and it begins to sprout, he has got all this influence pulling him from ever coming back. Let me tell you how we keep a hold of this guy is when he comes in, put this arm out, when he comes in, come on, bro, he makes a new friend in church. And even before next Sunday, this guy texts him and said, man, I am so glad to meet you on Sunday. God is going to do great things in your life. Let me get together with you and teach you a Bible study. Let's go hang out, play basketball. Come on, I want to be your new best friend, bro. And then he starts tugging. He starts tugging. But imagine if it wasn't just him. He met two, three other people his age in church. Imagine if the pastor's tugging and the youth pastor's... Come on. Amen, you guys can be seated. So we started looking at, at our... We, we've helped start... We. Uh, the way I'll phrase it, we've kind of helped start three different churches, but at, at the last one, uh, man, we, we were willing to just break the mold and look at everything. I sent a survey. You guys are going to think, man, this dude's the least spiritual person I've ever heard of. So this is the business side of me. I sent a survey to find out what we were doing wrong. But I didn't ask preachers, and I don't really care what they think. I'm not trying to reach preachers. Hopefully somebody else already did. And I didn't send it to the church. Because again, I know even if you don't like stuff here, you at least like it enough, you keep coming. So we're not going to change the songs that much for you. You know who I want to hear from? The ones that never came back. I sent them a survey. And I said, if you, if you send this back and tell us why you didn't come back and what we're doing wrong, I'll give you a $10 Starbucks gift card. Sent out to hundreds of people. And we started rolling back in. Hey, it was never, not one complaint about the preaching. Nobody said too long. Nobody said too short. You'd probably said something like that, but hey, they didn't. They didn't, you know, they didn't care. Nobody said music too fast, too slow, too loud, too quiet. None of it. You know what it was? I couldn't find a place to park. When I came in the doors, I didn't know which way to go. When I came to the church, nobody was friendly. Nobody smiled. I didn't make a friend. I didn't make any connections. They were saying stuff about watering, watering, watering. Hey, when they come through the door, it is not just pastor's job to grab onto them and love on them. We are a church that will plant and we will water so that we can have and keep a harvest. So after talking to this other guy, we came up with this weird plan. Man, we had this weird plan that we were going to, every time somebody came in the church, we were going to assign them to one of you. And that literally is the equivalent of being like, like, bro, how old are you? 19. So I get somebody comes in that's 17, 18, 19, 20, or 21, uh, around his age, lives in his area. I actually get their contact information, and then rather than pastor doing all the work, because, man, if I'm some 17-year-old, he actually might not be the right one to start the relationship with me. It might be him. And so I'd take that card, and I'd give it to him. And I'd say, bro, here's your checklist. You need to be in their life. And I'd tell them, if, even if you forget 80% of the stuff on the checklist, most important thing, every week before Sunday, you need to be face-to-face. -to 
face with them. Take them out for basketball. Take them to Starbucks. You, I'll give you money if you need for it. Go to Taco Bell. But I'm telling you, if you get face to face with them, if you can't teach a Bible study, leave it at home. Just water the seed. Care for them. Love on them. Make friends with them. And they will be back. So, so watch this. When we roll this out to the whole church. We say, everybody, we want you to participate. Uh, like, no exceptions. Everyone's going to do this. You're going to be like adopting parents to these new babies. But don't tell them that because that would be really weird. Um, but we're going to start giving you contact info. Well, what happens in my ministry is when I, I ask people to help, uh, everyone always says yes. But I have a ministry of ghosting, which develops. And about 30% of people that said yes, they just ghost me after. They don't help. They don't do nothing. They don't show up, whatever. So I don't know what they did with those contact cards. If they had, like, a heating shortage in the house and they were burning them to keep the home warm. But they didn't do anything. They didn't send any text messages, no phone calls, no Taco Bell, no McDonald's, no Starbucks, nothing. And actually, for sake of statistics, it made it really useful. In the group where we didn't follow up, do you imagine we had a high or a low retention rate? In the group that followed up every single week and got in their lives, do you imagine we had a high or a low retention rate? Okay, let me tell you how it panned out for us. When we did nothing, six months later, we retained 16% of people. I call that number our natural retention rate. Man, if we had the best rocking church on the planet, maybe we could push it up to 25%. You know what I'm talking about, where a pastor comes in, and he's just shooting $100 bills around, and everybody gets a gift card, and you come in, they wash your car during the middle of every service. Like, if it was like the awesomest experience, maybe your number would be higher than ours. Maybe your natural retention rate's lower. Maybe, man, things aren't always the best. Man, people come up here singing, they don't even know what songs they're singing. They're off tune, off kilter, and halfway through, man, somebody passes out. Out on the platform and you guys are weird and man somebody crashed the car into their car maybe you'd have a two percent I don't know ours was 16 but in that group where they got somebody meeting with them every week our retention rate was 72 percent catch this the pastor didn't change the message didn't change the building didn't change the music didn't change. The altar call didn't change. The only thing that changed was when the people of God used their Monday through Saturday to water the seed that had been planted. I'm telling you, the formulas in the Bible, we plant and then we water. We plant and then we water. There should always be somebody under your wing, somebody you're loving on, somebody you're mentoring, somebody in your small group, somebody at McDonald's, Somebody at Starbucks. Man, do you know how many things we've been to that were just, they were just not at all spiritual looking. Man, we've been to bar mitzvahs. We've been to the quinceañeras. We've been to birthday parties. and we've, I've been to baby showers. I'm the only guy there. Why? I'm just trying to water the seed, man. If you came to church, I'm going to build a relationship and love on you so you keep coming. Yeah. It's got to be who we are. Now, the last bit of the story is that he said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. 
God gave the increase. Now here's that last ingredient of the formula. And we got a part to play here. When, man, today we have some good, good church. But today can't be the only day that we have good, good church. I'm going to tell you the truth. They're going to give you one chance. Somebody say one chance. One chance. They're going to give you one chance to decide if they want to come back. That's why we don't get a down Sunday. You don't get to drag tail in here. I'm telling you from the first song until they dismiss, you have got to be engaged in touching God. We have to have an atmosphere. God can bring an increase. It can't be the exception. It is the rule. Here we baptize. Here people get the Holy Ghost. Here people are healed. I'll use this analogy sometimes. I'm, actually, I don't know what it'll do here. How many like Starbucks? Not maybe 50%. How many hate Starbucks? Okay. Okay. In Seattle, you don't ask for who hates Starbucks because they will be jumped in the parking lot. <laughs> when you go into a Starbucks, tell me if I'm lying. I don't, you not even walk through the door. You just saw the sign. Getting ready to walk through the door before you even pull the handle. Roughly, you know what it looks like. You know what it smells like. If there's music, you know what it sounds like. Roughly. You haven't even been in there. You know what they sell. You know what's on the menu. And when you order your drink, before it's even touched your mouth, you know how it's going to taste. They have built a brand on consistency. I don't care if you go to Florida or New York or D.C. or Seattle. Starbucks is Starbucks. If you love it, you'll love it everywhere. If you hate it, you hate it everywhere. Let me tell you what the apostolic church is supposed to be. A consistent move of God. A consistent atmosphere. God can bring an increase. We ought to have a reputation that in this house God moves. God God fills, God saves, God delivers. Man, a coffee shop, so get a reputation. Somebody say, man, you, oh, you like sweet coffee. You've got to try this one. Man, they got the sweetest coffee. They make this drink, and they'll tell them, and it'll, word will begin to spread. Before you know it, people are saying, i got to try that coffee shop. And they've been told about the coffee shop from someone that hadn't even been at the coffee shop. We ought to be so synonymous with the move of God that people are saying, I have heard of a place where marriages are put back together. I have heard of a place that baptizes still. I've heard of a place you come up out of wheelchairs, crutches are left behind, cigarettes are laid down. In atmosphere, God can bring an increase. If you'll stand together with me, amen. That's me trying to preach on Sunday after God already moved. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know I, I, I promise I wouldn't hold you long, but I believe in this so much. Plant, water, and he will bring an increase. Man, I, I um, this is super weird. So when I, was, when I was new at preaching, totally new, totally young, man, I was obsessed with soul winning. I would do this because I had nothing else. I lost everything. I mean, I lost everything. I had nothing else to do. I would just do this all day, all day, eight, nine, ten hours a day. 
knock doors, teach Bible studies. There were points me and my wife were teaching 50 Bible studies a week. And, and we'd go into jails. And, man, I'd be into women's jails. And, man, before you know it, like just all kinds of stuff. Young people, old people, baptizing everybody, gang members and, 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 and not gang members. I mean, everybody. We, we, and we, we, we even helped start a Spanish church, and neither of us speak Spanish. We have no idea what we're doing. We're just trying to reach people. Do all of this. And something began to change in me. When I first started preaching, I thought, man, wouldn't it be cool to go preach at like one of these really big churches, one of these really big conferences. Wouldn't that be so cool one day? And then now the day comes, that's my daily. That's my routine. Different church every week, different conference every week. But it feels so different now. I'm telling you, when you get this in your heart, you fall out of love with the barn for sake of being a big, shiny barn. You fall out of love with the combine for being the new tool that nobody else has. And all you want is harvest. I now can walk into a city that has a million people and the church is so thrilled that they're cutting the ribbon and they've got a thousand on the pews of this big, new, shiny building. Yet I feel the weight of over 900,000 people that still aren't there. Cares how nice the barn is. Who cares how nice the buildings and the paint. We're not in a building business nor a paint business. We're growing the kingdom of God. It's souls. It's souls. That's our currency. That's our aim. That's our ambition. It's just souls. I want to grow to the next level. I don't want there to be a service that pastor has to just preach to us. Every time, I want to stack the deck in his favor and fill it with the loss. I want our normal to be every service somebody's baptized, every service somebody gets the Holy Ghost. Let's grow this thing. Somebody say amen. Amen. Like I said, if you need to leave, I, to, I would have absolutely no hard feelings. I, I've got a little bit of a drive ahead of me too. But hey, if you don't, or if you're not in a rush, I'll just give you the opportunity. Would you lift your hands and ask God to grow you and to grow the church right now? Lord, as I look around, I am thankful for where you brought us. I'm thankful for what you've done, but I'm ready to grow. I'm ready for revival. I'm ready for the next dimension and the next level. Open my eyes that I might see the harvest like you do. Use me to reach people as you would. And I pray that you would give us the greatest revival we've ever seen. That Jesus Christ is Lord. Come on, come on, come on. Somebody catch a vision. Somebody get a call from God. I'm going to do more. I'm going higher. Let's grow. Come on, let's grow. Every tongue Ask him to use you. Ask him for a burden. That Jesus Christ is Don't confess, she 
Jesus Christ is Lord forever. Every knee shall bow. Every